Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Director of Education at the Entrepreneur School and founder of International Entrepreneurship. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You've come out with a book recently called School for Startups. Uh, so before we get into the book, just tell us a little bit about your background as an entrepreneur and why you wanted to do this book. Well, I started my first business when I was 26, and that was about 94, 95, and Today we call it a technology, a children's technology education company. Back then we called it a summer camp. But uh, unbelievably, Jordan, this summer camp company grew to 12 million a year in revenue with about 800 employees and doing all sorts of different children's technology things and different children's educational things. So any way that we could teach kids things that the school system wasn't doing, or any time that we could provide supervision for kids that the school system wasn't doing or wasn't doing well, we did. We made really good you know, money, a really good profit doing that. It was a great business. I sold that in 2001 and started teaching entrepreneurship at one of the downtown local universities here, uh, specializing in international entrepreneurship, and did that until the book came out. And since then, I've been on the road promoting the book and uh, trying to get our message out about low-risk entrepreneurship. Uh, one of the cool things that we did back when we were teaching was that uh, in my very first class, I got a little arrogant and cocky, Jordan. I had just sold the business after all. And so I, I told the class, this is easy. You can do this. You can be an entrepreneur. It's within you know the realm of possibility. You can start a business this semester and make money. And they were like, well, sure, do it then. And so I bet the class that I could start a business during the semester. And, again, I was being arrogant and not so smart. And so I, I let the class choose the country and the industry that, that I would start a business in. And I had three months to get it 100% profitable, meaning that not only was it cash flow positive, but all of my initial startup capital had to be repaid. And so this was right after 9-11, and the class thought it would be funny if I had to start a company in Pakistan. And I had just done a, a big spiel on how furniture, I think, is a horrible industry because it's a 2 or 3% margin industry. It's just not a good industry to be in. And so the class thought it would be really funny if I would have to start a Pakistani furniture company and do it within three months and get it profitable and repay all of my investment. And we did this. 14 semesters in a row, never once losing the bet and showing the class, you know what, it is possible. There sort of is a formula, and the biggest problem that most people have about being an entrepreneur 
and I think Jordan, this comes really close to what your book is about and what your you know work is uh, about. The biggest problem with being an entrepreneur is the way we define the word. You know, Jordan, if you go out on the street and ask 99 people, 100 people, I'm sorry, ask 100 people, what is an entrepreneur? 99% of them are going to say, well, an entrepreneur is this risk-taking, creative guy. You know, this girl who goes out and thinks of something new and takes a big risk in a garage and becomes a business owner. That's an entrepreneur. And so, so that, how would you define an entrepreneur? I'm sorry, what? How would you define an entrepreneur then instead of that definition? Well, let's look at both parts. Uh, creative, you know, we have Hilton and Hyatt and Burger King and McDonald's, and we already had Burger King and McDonald's, but these five guys went out there and started a new hamburger place called Five Guys, right? I don't know if you have it in your neck of the words, uh, but it's incredibly popular now. Are those people entrepreneurs? But there's no creativity in what they did. They opened a, a hamburger store, right? Or someone who opens up a, a dry cleaner, opens five dry cleaners. Is that an entrepreneur? Sure it is, but it's not creative, right? And so, so many of the things that we think of because of Steve Jobs, and I was so sad, you know, when he died last month, um, that was, you know, a horrible blow to us, but still, he's creative. That doesn't mean that I, as an entrepreneur, have to be creative. You know, if I create a business that is pretty much an emulation or a copy of something that someone else is doing, but I'm still satisfying my customers, I'm still, you know, I'm not stealing any ideas, I'm not breaking copyright laws, but I'm just going out there and seeing a business model that someone else is executing and I'm just bringing it back to my, my place and doing it well myself. There's nothing creative about that, but we still call that person an entrepreneur. And the person that's not an entrepreneur is saying, well, I'm not creative. I can't do it. Well, stop waiting for your creativity lightning bolt and go out and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur now. Within a month, I will have decided on a business that I'm going to start. I'll give myself 30 days to create a procedure to select a business in a uh, formulated, well-thought-out way. I'm not going to randomly throw a dart but I'm going to give my, myself 30 days to select. And after that, I'm going to move forward. So I don't think creativity, Jordan, necessarily, it can be, necessarily has to be a part of it. It is not acceptable, though, for me to say this person is not an entrepreneur because they're waiting for their creative moment. That's an unacceptable excuse. The second thing is risk. I agree. You know, Some entrepreneurship can be very, very risky, but if you talk to serial entrepreneurs, people who've done it, 15, 20, 100 times, they usually reduce risk to the point where they don't really see it as risky. They say, well, that's a no-brainer. And if I were to give you some of the examples that we write about in the book, or today I'd love to give all of your listeners a free business that they can start today with zero money and zero creativity, um, something they could go out and start doing this afternoon. So I'd love to do that in a minute. You'll see that it doesn't have to be risky. If we say, I'm only going to spend $5,000 and not a penny more, well, you know what? You can't start a lot of rest, a lot of businesses that you would want. Say, a restaurant, a really cool restaurant with three levels that rotates and has a dance floor and lights. You can't start that for $5,000. But you can start a bar that's a dump, a dive, that has a concrete floor and exposed cinder blocks that you rent out for you know, $1,000 a month and get three or four kegs in there 
and some flea market furniture and open up a bar. In the book, it's Joey Tatum's story. Now, 15 years later, he owns 15 different income streams, some very nice restaurants like you wanted in the beginning, but he started with a dump. You know, there's the story of Tierra Reed. She wanted a high-end fashion store, but she could only afford $5,000. So for $4,000, she did it for less. For $4,000, she went out there on Craigslist and bought a a bunch of uh, used uh, display cases and racks and things like that and used that kind of equipment to start a consignment store. And that consignment store, she started for very cheaply. Her customers would bring in merchandise that they wanted to sell. Those customers then became, you know, people who would buy from her. So her suppliers and her consumers were the the same people in many cases. But for under $5,000, she started a fashion store. And now several years later, three years later, that store has grown into more than just a consignment store. She's able to carry inventory of her own and, you know, fulfill her original dream. What is the, uh, the, the mindset that people need to be able to take advantage of entrepreneurial and startup opportunities? The, it's just, they need to be the one who says, I am raising my hand and being one of the people that's getting off the sofa tonight. You know, uh, there's a choice. Every one of us makes a choice. We come home from work. And we either have a choice, what we do with the rest of our lives, you know, uh, or we don't have a job right now and we have a choice how we spend that time until we get a job, right? No matter what your circumstance is right now, I think you should be starting a small business today. If it makes $10,000 this year, that's still cool to me because next year that allows you to make 30000 It's hard to make thirty before you make ten. And I just want people to get off the sofa, turn off the ESPN and the Real Housewives of Orange County, and say, you know what, I'm going to be the person that stands up and sets a goal. My goal is that one month from today, I will have selected a business to start. And then I'll tell you what to do, the second step. But the first step is very clear. A month from today, I will have selected a business to start, and I will have a the criteria and some sort of organized system between now and then that will help me get to that decision. You know, I will a lot have, of people I find want to kind of buy a job. You know, their 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 mentality is always from the, going through school has been an employee and not an owner. How do you get somebody to change from the employee uh, uh, taking orders mode to owner giving orders mode? Well. You know, it is a, a difficult transition. Uh, I think the, one of the best things that happens is, you know, what we call necessity entrepreneurship, the, oh, my goodness, I better start something right now before I lose my house. And I can't afford, you know, to mortgage the house or I can't afford $10,000, $100,000. So I need to start something today that can make revenue, you know, soon with zero, uh, you know, capital. But that sort of, oh, my God, I'm about to lose everything moment is a great motivator. Uh, another motivator is simply, you know, I think the most important thing is to write down that I'm going to have a business idea in a month and give that sheet of paper to your spouse or to someone you love or to someone who will hold you accountable, you know. Take the step of saying, I will do this. Sign your name to it and say, here, honey, I'm going to do this within a month. You know, it's 
the act of changing your lifestyle and saying, you know what, I'm going to be the person who takes control. And I might have to fire some people, and that's going to be difficult, and there's not going to be someone to, what, to tell me what to do in the morning. But you know what? I care about my future. I'm going to be the type of person that other people are envious of, and I have it within me. The first step is a very simple one. Commit to making a decision within a month what you're going to do. The way I would do that is start and give your, you know, your spouse a little sheet of paper and say, hold me accountable because I'm changing from the type of person that used to take orders to the type of person that gives orders. And you're not going to have an employee, Jordan, either immediately, right? Our system does not say go out and hire 15 people because you're going to be the salesman at first and the guy who delivers the product and the guy who does the, you know, cleans the toilet at the end of the day. And so there's not anyone to give orders to for a while. And so the transition, again, is a simple one. The first thing you do is go ahead and sell something. So the second step is in month two, go out there and sell something and say you decided I'm going to, I'm going to service companies that have fleets of trucks, and somehow I'm going to make these trucks better. I don't know how, but let's say that's what your business is. Well, you know what? There's only a thousand companies in your state that have fleets of trucks. You know, there's plumbers that have three or four trucks, and there's, you know, that's your target market. In month two, go talk to only those people. Go talk to those people and say, here's my service. Are you going to be interested in buying it? You know, and so you'll have an employee right then. There's no one to give orders to. Okay, we actually have to go to a break, Jim. Okay. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jim Beach. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he's director of education at the Entrepreneur School and founder of International Entrepreneurship. His new book is called School for Startups. Uh, there's a website related to that book, which is schoolforstartups.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Beach, uh, who is a serial entrepreneur, director of education at the Entrepreneur School, uh, founder of International Entrepreneurship, and author of a new book called School for Startups, where the website is schoolforstartups.com. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you. Just tell us briefly about the Entrepreneur School and what people can find there. Well, my partner in the book, Chris Hanks, the two of us have been teaching entrepreneurship for about 10 years at the MBA level, and neither of us are PhDs. We're both just people who've gone out and started some businesses, and we're both storytellers, and we learned that over time that's actually a very good way to teach entrepreneurs. And so we took 80 hours of our best stuff in an organized format, starting with how to get an idea, if you don't have an idea, how to get one, uh, what the first step is, how to get uh, you know, funding if you need it, how to avoid funding with bootstrapping, all the way through uh, how to get to number one on Google, social media, how to do an ad on Facebook the correct way, uh, how to buy a business with no money down, any of these things that we talk about. And we took it all, put it online. And so the book is supposed to sort of whet your appetite and give you some stories of uh, people that have been successful using the things that we're talking about. And then for, uh, so you buy the book for $10 or a Kindle or something like that. And then you get a month free on the Learning Center, which is $159. You get that for free, which is the 80 hours of content. So for 10 bucks, you should be able to learn absolutely everything that I know about entrepreneurship in an organized way that's fun, easy to listen to, and designed to get you very motivated and off the sofa. Very good. Okay. In your book, uh, School for Startups, you've got a whole section on bootstrapping your business and how to kind of get things started. So I want to go through uh, some of the things that uh, lessons you have in there. What's the difference between bootstrapping versus raising capital? Well, bootstrapping, you know, refers to digging down in the mud and picking your boot up with the shoelaces and moving forward. And in a business sense, that means starting with just no money and doing everything you can to do it cheaply. So instead of having an office, you use your garage. And instead of having a secretary, you answer the phone yourself. And instead of having embroidered T-shirts, you don't even have business cards yet. Any way that you can reduce your spending, you're going to. The only thing that you're allowed to spend money on is something that's going to produce revenue today, you know, today. And so that is your only standard. Uh, so using that, you can start a business for under $5,000. And raising capital, the alternative is to go to the friends, the family, the fools, the banks, the angels, or the venture capital and say, I'm willing to give you part of my business, which may or may not even exist yet, in return for cash today. And so instead of, the big difference, Jordan, is instead of selling products, you're selling your business. I'd rather sell product and maintain my equity. I'd rather spend my time today selling, you know, a product or a service, which is what the company is designed to do. You can spend years raising money. I've done it. I've spent two years of my life doing nothing but raise venture capital. 
And believe me, while you're raising venture capital, you have time to do nothing else. So I was, my company was, you know, 12 million in revenue at that point, but I wasn't running it because I was busy raising capital. And what, so what is the current environment for raising capital? Is it easier or harder than it used to be? Uh, I think it's, well, of course, it's much harder than it used to be, but uh, I think that Again, my advice is not even to try to raise capital. Let's spend $5,000 and no more than that. Uh, If you do need to go raise money, though, there is money out there waiting for smart entrepreneurs with good plans. There's money sitting on the sidelines, as they say, and it's sitting at all levels, at the Fortune 500 level and at the venture capital level and at the bank level and at the angel level. So there's plenty of money out there if you have a good, good idea that has the solid pitch behind it. So, uh, you know, I do have one of those myself right now that I'm sort of working in that space. Uh, I'm going to go try to raise some money, even though I don't 100% believe in it, because this business needs it. You know, it's a business that's going to need a lot of money to get started. I well, so we're going to go through some of the bootstrap rules. Your first rule is to get operational quickly. So how can you do that, and why is that important? Well, that's what I'm saying. Go sell something today. So instead of selling your business or spending even, you know, months writing a business plan, I've met people who have spent six months and they're still writing their business plan. They haven't even spoken to a customer yet. Getting operational quickly means, you know, develop a list of 100 potential customers on day 32 and go speak to them and say, here's what my product is. Do you like it? Do you buy, would you buy this? Would you buy it at this price? I'd like to sell it to you at this price. You'll be my first customer and you know what? I'm going to work five times harder to make you the happiest customer ever. So you'd be a really smart person to buy this as my first customer. Go out there and see if you can sell it. And so when I say get operational quickly, today go into the marketplace. Uh, you know, again, I just think that there are businesses that you can start today that require you to go out in the marketplace today. You'll know by the end of the day whether you have a successful business or not or whether you need to tweak your model. Instead well, of you say you should months. also offer high-value products. Uh, so if you're just starting out, how can you offer value uh, better than all the other you know, companies that have been offering things in the space for years, whatever space that may be? Well, you know, say you're a consultant or something like that, and you're competing with McKinsey or someone – like Bain Capital or someone great, you go to them and say, look, this is my first, you know, corporate client. You'll be my first consulting gig. And therefore, my entire life is contingent on you finding this to be the best experience you've ever had. I guarantee you that at the end of this, I, you will go out there and be my best viral marketing. You will be my word-of-mouth marketing because I'm going to do such a good job for you that you, you'll really, really appreciate it. You'll tell people about it. So, you know, when you're in that kind of circumstance, you have to paint it red, make it as obvious as possible, and make that your sales point. So go out there and brag about your weakness. My weakness is I'm a beginner, but you know what? That forces me to be better so that you're 300% happy, so you tell your three best friends to hire me too. That's the only way I can succeed, therefore you should hire me. And then you said that you should forget the crack team of recruits and understaffed. So what should you do at the beginning as far as staffing up your company? Well, I'm not going to hire anybody until I have to, and that should be 
you know, when you're way down the road. So, again, if I go out there and start selling product today, uh, I hope that I can fulfill it myself. If not, I'm going to outsource that and have someone who that I can pay, you know, out of the profit I make off that one deal. But I'm not going to hire anyone until... Uh, until I'm, you know, not going to bed every night at midnight and have the cash flow to support, you know, $30,000 that's going to completely disappear as you train that person and get that person up to speed. So right now, again, as part of our bootstrap strategy, you know, don't hire people. I have had people come to me and say, we've got four people already and we've all got business cards and things like that, but we haven't sold anything yet. Yeah, but you already have four employees. What are all these people doing if they're not selling anything, right? You don't even have any customers. You don't have anything to do. Go sell stuff, then hire people as the need requires by the, you know, the demands of fulfillment. You're fulfilling the sales you've already had should be the driver for hiring. You also said to keep growth in check. You think normally you want to start a business to grow as fast as possible. What's wrong with having too much growth? Well, Jordan, you more than anyone knows this. Debt's a bad thing. If I have to borrow money to grow in today's hyper-risky environment, I think that it's safer, wiser, and less risky, and therefore I will sleep better at night to grow at 15 or 20% instead of growing at 30 or 40% by borrowing someone else's money to do it. Uh, I think the safe, wise, conservative fiscal thing to do is to say, I'm comfortable to grow on internal cash flow, even if I have to therefore grow slower. You said a focus on cash, not profit. What do you mean by that? Well, profit doesn't uh, keep you in business. It's cash that does. So I'm more worried about making payroll than I am about doing everything at my 30% margin. So if it means if I have a choice of doing a project at 0% profit, but that money allows me to make payroll, I'm going to do it at 0% profit. You know, everyone, uh, you, you've heard people say, especially some of the entrepreneur gurus say, you never go below your margins. Well, I think it's more important to make payroll. So I'm willing to do some things at margin. And at the beginning, I'm willing to do something at a loss if the loss is my time. If it simply means I have to work harder and longer hours and I bill you for 50, but it takes me 100 hours to actually do it, I'm willing at the very beginning to do that to keep my business up and running. You also said people should associate with others' brand names. How do you do that without stealing uh, their copyrights? Well, of course, you, you get them to, to uh, allow you to do that. My very first business was a summer technology education company. We taught kids computers and movie making and anything that involved teaching kids. Uh, our first location was at Stanford University. Our second location was at MIT University. Uh, uh, we were soon sponsored by Intel and Microsoft. And so when someone would call, I didn't even bother to use my brand name. Uh, my brand name was buried everywhere. We wore the generic name Summer Camp at MIT and Stanford sponsored by Microsoft and Intel. How can I help you? I, mean, I legitimately have the right to use those names in that way. 
And so that's very powerful. Um, you don't question my ability to do anything now because Stanford is given my uh, given blessing. Uh, all sorts of examples uh, of doing this that, you know, help uh, you build credibility by, you know, the credibility of someone else. Even, for example, if you can get on the local radio station and have them talk about you, that's the credibility of the radio station transferred to you. If you can become someone an expert on the late-night news that they you know, have for 12 seconds and they say, local expert says, and you can say something for 12 seconds, you're now yeah. an authority. Okay, we're actually going to take a break. Uh, very good. We're getting a lot of good ideas here on how to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, my guest is Jim Beach. His book is called School for Startups. So his website is schoolforstartups.com. He's also director of education at the Entrepreneur School. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Beach. He's the author of The School for Startups. The website for that is schoolforstartups.com. He's also Director of Education at the Entrepreneur School. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you. I appreciate it. We were going through the various bootstrap uh, rules. Uh, one of the things you say is to do sales yourself. Um, so uh, you're saying not to hire salespeople until you have a, a up-and-running business? Yeah, that's, I think, one of the last positions that you should hire. You're going to sell as the entrepreneur for a long time and get used to it. No one will sell better than you, absolutely no one. And you should expect it that way, right? You're the one that cares the most. And then hire people to execute what you go out there and sell. So the last position that I would hire, you know, I'd hire a CTO and a CIO and, uh, 
you know, a money guy, a CFO, and a whole bunch of execution people before I would outsource the single most important part of your business, which is bringing in new customers. So you're either in charge of the marketing and every single ad that goes out and every single, you know, tweet, whatever, or you're the one that's going out there and acquiring the big corporate clients that drive your service business. No matter what it is, I want you as the entrepreneur business owner in charge of the revenue, in charge of the lifeblood of the company. You should be the rainmaker. Don't expect Oh, I'm going to build a business where someone else is the rainmaker. That 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 doesn't happen. So you say people should also start the business in their house or garage in the kind of Apple computer. Yep. Is, is that really just to save money? Is that through? I mean, shouldn't you kind of separate your personal and your business life a little bit more than that? Uh, you know, I, I think that would be nice, but again, that's money that I would rather spend on advertising. So if you give me a choice between office space and advertising. In my world, it's a simple decision. As a matter of fact, Jordan, I, I have a divorce to prove that um, I would come home on Friday and my wife would go, well, did you get paid today or did you advertise? And I'd go, honey, I'm sorry, I advertised today. And I said that so many times, I think she, anyway, I, I, I'm divorced. Uh, and that, that leads into your first. next rule, which is do not pay yourself or others. <laughs> well, that's a good segue there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, again, I'm going to advertise before I'm going to pay myself. And in today's world, especially in today's world where we have no idea how much an employee is going to cost, you know, two years from now with the health care situation and all that, I'd rather go to someone and say, I'll give you 2% of my company if you design my website for me. Or if you go install this product every time I sell it, you know, I'll give you 4% of the company or something. Uh, I'd rather do it that way because I think it reduces your cost, keeps costs down, uh, you know, makes it easier to uh, bootstrap. You have less risk. Uh, that person's more committed to the company. Um, and right now I'm doing anything I can to keep costs down, even if it means giving away tiny chunks of the company to people who are vital to the company's execution. Uh, to me, in this world of hyper-risk, that's a smart decision. You also say to argue every price. What what kind of negotiation or, or, or relations you're going to have with vendors if you're pounding them from the very beginning? Well, uh, you know, I think you do it politely. You certainly do it politely, but uh, if they come back and say it's going to be $1,500, What's wrong, Jordan, was saying, oh, gosh, I'm a startup business. That's a lot of money to me. As a matter of fact, that's 90% of my budget right now. Is there any way in the world that you could do it for 1100 Or you know what? If you, what, what if you do it half now and half a year from now? Is there anything you can do to help me, please? What's wrong with that, Jordan? That's not beating wow. up. So it keeps your costs down, yeah. You, you also say to harness word-of-mouth advertising. Um, so you're a big believer in social media as far as getting the word out about your product or service? Oh, of course. And then also, once I have a customer, uh, I then ask that customer, you know, a week later, are you happy? Will you tell your friends about it? Can I, you know, use you as a reference? You know, always, always develop those relationships and keep going back to those people and saying, you know, do you have anyone else that you think I might be, uh, could call on any references for me, any introductions. Uh, and again, please keep telling your friends about it. 
you know, once you've asked that, you have to keep asking that once a month. But it's also an opportunity to say, are you still happy with our product or service? Let me make sure you are. You're still happy, right? Okay, good. Now tell your friends. Yeah. Tell your friends. You also say to use the royal we uh, instead of I. What is the purpose of that? Well, no one needs to know how big your company is. I would never lie, but I would certainly say we will get that done for you today. You know, what's wrong with that? Uh, just be a little ambiguous. We'll get that done for you. Yes, my team and I, we will provide the service we have promised. And you know, that maybe means you and three or four people that you've outsourced, but that's okay. You also said to use free labor. Uh, what kind of labor do you have when you're starting up that's going to work for you for free? Uh, I bet you the state that you live in, the governor has some sort of internship program. The university has an entrepreneur student that wants to work for free. I have two people right now that are working for free for me, and they came to me. Uh, I think it's easy to find those people. If you go out there and look for them, say go on the university bulletin board on LinkedIn for the university that you went to or the one that's closest to where your business is located, and put in their unpaid internship great for resume. You're going to have people apply, and you're going to be able to find someone who can help you do some of the stuff. Say, you know what? This is the same menial stuff that I do all day. I'm going to sit there and do menial stuff with you so that we can both do more value-added stuff later on today, and I'm going to show you that too. You also talk about uh, export-import uh, opportunities. How, how could somebody who's just starting a business here start thinking about going overseas? Well, maybe – the business is bringing in stuff from overseas, or maybe the business is selling stuff that we have here uh, overseas. You know, unbelievably, there are lists online that uh, governments have. For example, one of them is the Japanese government has a website called Jetro, J-E-T-R-O dot org, and one of the features on that website is Japanese companies that want to import and export products. Uh, those products, a lot of times it says we're looking for an American supplier of this. You know, how do you know until you've gone out there and looked that there's not import-export opportunities just laying around? What I've discovered is that there are and that people just aren't looking for them. As a matter of fact, in the book, we list several places in the import-export chapter of where you can go and find people who are wanting to help you find products, find services that are good for uh, ex uh, export from the very, very beginning. Uh, and we tell some stories of where that's been successful. For example, those, you know, those rubber band things that people, all the little kids, like the five-year-old kids wear on their wrists called silly bands. That company existed for one purpose, to import silly bands. The girl who had started doing that, and girl, she was like 23, I think, when she started doing it, uh, she had never done anything before. The very first thing she did was import from China silly bands. And we all know, you know that became a $6 million a year business for her. Uh, that's from the beginning an import company. And there's lots of ways, too, that that can be less risky. Uh, you can go to UPS Capital, for example, which is a division of UPS, the shipping company, and they'll help finance imports and exports because they control the actual merchandise. 
Uh, you can go to them also and get a expedited SBA loan. Again, I'm not a huge fan of that, but that is a service they offer. And one of the things that I love about international business from the beginning, Jordan, is that it comes with a guarantee from your bank that you're going to get paid. You know, if you do business with, you know, Boston or someone in Massachusetts, no one's going to guarantee that you get paid. But if I do business in Thailand, my bank guarantees that if I export the goods the way I said that I'm, you know, going to, I'm going to get paid. Even if the guy in Thailand never pays his bank, my bank is still going to pay me. And I have that in writing from my bank. I yeah. like that. That's called low risk. And in my world where risk is bad, I like that. You also said to get advances from customers. Why would customers advance you money if you haven't, if they haven't gotten the product and service yet? Well, I, one of my the things that our friend Joey Tatum, the bar owner, did, and one of the things he always does is on opening night of his bar or restaurant, this table is dedicated to a particular person, and that person comes and sits there that night. That person might have paid five hundred or a thousand dollars for the right to have his name engraved in a little brass plaque, which costs a buck fifty, on that table. That's that table forever for that person. And whenever they come in, they get to sit there guaranteed. That's $1,000 that you, in essence, borrowed from your customer. What's wrong with trying that? You know, just uh, here's one example in the restaurant space where it worked. I can think of other examples where it's possible to go to your customers and say, you know what? If you help me now, I will blank. And then do something, promise, you know, that makes sense for your industry. It's a way of borrowing, you know, getting something out of people you know will be your customers uh, without, you know, performing much service because they trust you. Uh, in the book, in the introduction, we talk about Randy Brown. Randy was able to do exactly that. He had a job where he was the office manager for one downtown law firm, making like $40,000 a year after being there for 20 years. And he went and said, you know what, I want you to fire me today, and then on Monday, rehire me on an outsourced basis, and instead of being your employee, I will be a company that you hire, and I'll perform all of the services that I perform for you today. And he did, and now he also does it for six other law firms and makes about $200,000 a year doing the exact same thing. He's borrowing his knowledge and everything from his old employer. You know, he had a zero-risk transition there. Again, I love zero risk. You also said to let customers fund your research. How, how can they do that? Uh, again, if you go to them and say, what do you want? You know, what do you need? What else can I supply you with? Uh, I'm already giving you this service or you're buying this product. What else could I get for you? What could I lower the cost for you in? And so we're not actually talking about real R&D where we develop new, you know, forms of electricity out of dirt or something. What we're talking about is market research, going to your customers saying, what do you need? What problems do you have? What would you pay me to do? You know, what problems do you have? What do you need? That's a great, great question to ask anybody as an entrepreneur because an entrepreneur, again, we, you know, we started off, Jordan, defining entrepreneurship. Let's get back to that. An entrepreneur is a person that solves problems, yeah. period. 
And okay. so you, we have know, to take a break actually, Jim. Okay. We're okay. doing really great. We're covering all kinds of interesting, very practical advice to get your entrepreneurship business going. I'm speaking with Jim Beach, who's a serial entrepreneur, uh, director of education at the Entrepreneur School. Uh, his book is called School for Startups, and there's a website related to that, which is schoolforstartups.com. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jim Beach. He's a serial entrepreneur, director of education at the Entrepreneur School, uh, and the author of a new book called School for Startups. And there's a website related to that uh, book, which is schoolforstartups.com. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you so much. We were going through the various bootstrap uh, rules, and one thing you say is to forecast from the bottom up. What do you mean by that? Well, instead of saying we're going to get 1% of a market and being that's what we're going to do, you know, I, I hate when I see that 
Instead of that, how do you get 1%? 1% means actually 2,912 customers or whatever the number is. I want you to justify how you're going to get 2,012 and 9 customers from, from 1. How are you going to get number 1 and 2 and 3? So instead of saying we're going to get 1% of market share, and that's not going to be hard, anyone can get 1%, say, well, exactly how are you going to do it? You're going to spend $1,000 on this stream of marketing. How much is that stream of marketing going to produce? How many customers? How many leads? How many leads, as a matter of fact, do you need to close, say, 50 sales? And so let's talk about marketing in a realistic way that's not dealing with these platitudes of, well, 1% of market share is easy to get. That's very amateur sounding. You also said people should ship first and then test. What do you mean by that? Uh Go out there and deliver product and find what you can sell. If you can sell it, go ahead and do so. Worry about whether it's perfect sometimes later. Uh, you know, I don't mean send something that you know is broken, but you know, there are a lot of examples of this. Uh, the iPhone was introduced knowing that it was flawed. Uh, they knew that it wasn't going to be perfect yet. They did it anyway. Okay, you also say that the service businesses are easier to start than manufacturing businesses. Why is that? Well, it can cost a lot of money to actually make product to, you know, build a die that's going to produce something. So it's easier to do a service business. You know, our economy is about 70% service-based right now. And so go out and do something that requires your time. You have an infinite supply of time right now, you know, until you die. And use that. Instead of saying, I have to find $50,000 so that I can build this piece of machinery or buy this that's going to allow me to make this or whatever, instead of doing a product, go out and do a service, which is, in fact, selling your time. Uh, you also, your, your last bootstrap rule is that you do not need a business plan. This would be like going against every uh, entrepreneur's normal way of thinking, business schools and venture capital say you always need a business plan. Why do you not need a business plan? Well, I, I don't know who I'm going to show it to other than my spouse um, because I'm not raising capital. I'm doing this with $5,000. I'm doing it with my internally generated cash flow. So I'm going to have a business plan in mind. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to build that one special chart that probably summarizes everything but I'm not going to spend time doing the 30-page formal pretty thing. I'm going to be out there selling and stuff, going out and testing the marketplace and seeing, oh, you know what? This customer just taught me that my pitch is broken in this way. I need to change my pitch. That's more valuable than writing page 12 of the business plan. I already know sort of what it's going to say. It's not going to be pretty. I'm going to go out there and do page 12. I'm not going to write about it. I'm going to go out there and talk to customers and say, on page 12, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say this product is designed this way. This is the service I'm going to sell you. This is you know, what I'm promising you. Oh, oh, you don't like that. Oh, you think that point C is wrong. I see. I've learned more by being in the field than I learned by writing the plan. You also talk a lot about what you call the wow factor. Uh, briefly, what is the wow factor and how do you create that to help sell your product or service? 
in 18 seconds, I should be able to make you go, wow, I want that. So, for example, the summer camp, the education thing that I was telling you about at the beginning, uh, when I got a mother on the telephone, I would briefly describe what it was, and then I would say, and ma'am, we will take your child who I suspect is unhappy right now, and I will make that child happy for the first time in his or her life. Your child, after a week with me, is going to realize that they're smart, they're cool, they're the ones that are going to be called boss in the future. Ma'am, I'm going to make your child happy. Yeah. That mother's and, and you, going to give yeah, me any, any product product service Yes. Uh, another yeah. thing you talk about in your book is uh, buying a business or franchising. Uh, what are the advantages and disadvantages of buying an existing business? Uh, we like that idea, especially in today's marketplace, because I think that anyone who's realistic at all who's selling a business realizes that they're going to have to provide financing. And so go to a business and find a business that you like and go to them and say, you know, you're asking 600000 I'm not going to quibble with you on price. They expect that you are. So you build a lot of credibility and a lot of friendship by not quibbling. Say, so you know what? I'm going to give you 600000 but we're going to pay it out over eight years. That owner has no choice but to say yes because no one else is going to buy the business. If the owner is 70, he's got to sell. If the owner is retiring because he's marrying his second wife and moving to Bermuda, he has to sell. There are people out there who will say, you know what? I don't like it, but that's my best option. Yes, you have a deal. It is very possible, Jordan, I believe, to go out there and buy a business today with not a cent of money down. Uh, your last chapter is called, uh, When Can I Quit My Day Job? So you're saying uh, that you should be doing all of the entrepreneurial activity we've been talking about while you keep your day job until it's up and running and successful, and then you can quit your day job? Is that the way it works? Well, you know, if you start off Super small, like we're saying, start off at $10,000 and you only make five in the first year. Say in year three, you make 100000 in revenue and you make fifty, but you still have a day job because you still need health insurance. I would say stay there until they fire you. You know, um, I don't think you should be quitting any job in today's environment. If you can start small and just work after uh, you get home from your commute and all of that, do that. So, again, I'm obsessed with the idea of risk reduction, and if I can reduce risk by using someone else's health insurance and providing that security to make sure my car and mortgage payments are paid through a small business on the side, I am going to do that, and I'm going to do that until they run me off with a stick when they finally figure out what I'm doing in my two-hour lunch break that I take every day. In a minute or so left, your conclusion is that you have to be determined to make all this happen. Tell us about what kind of determination you need to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, it, nothing more than being the person who says, I'm going to be the one that my friends are jealous of. I'm going to be the one that gets off the sofa. I'm going to make the sacrifices that it takes. And I think the easiest way to start that is by writing something down, putting it on paper, sharing that with a friend so that you are accountable, and you know, being, you know, making that life decision. Only thing that entrepreneurship is about is making a decision to go out and solve a problem with someone. Just decide, you know, and I can't do that for you. You can't do that for them, Jordan. You know, their spouses can't do that. The only person in the world who can do it is the listener himself, herself.
They say, I want to be the one. I want to be the one that everyone's jealous of. I want to be the one. All right. We've learned a lot about entrepreneurship. My uh, guest this hour has been Jim Beach, which you can see as a serial entrepreneur. He's director of education at the Entrepreneur School. His book is called School for Startups, and there is a website related to that, which is schoolforstartups.com. We've got a lot of very good information on how to start uh, a business here. Thanks so much for being a, a guest on the Money Answer Show, Jim. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. For joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. What do you think of the price of gas these days? I can't take this! How'd you like to never have to pay for gas again, ever? Yes! Join a group that helps people save money and make money at the same time. We save money by giving a 10% rebate at the pump based on the average person spending $50 per week. That's $5 per week times 52 weeks or $260. That's right. You can save 260